0: Hello, everyone. Thank you for listening in. This is episode 23 of Raking Coals. I am one of your hosts, Cody Haggard, and with me, as always, is the one and only Josh Fousey. I am here. Trust me. (laughs) Josh is here. And today we have another guest. I'm really excited about this guest because uh, this is a guy, uh, a man who I got an opportunity to go to Moody Bible Institute with. We lived across the hall from each other for a couple of years, uh, good friends. We led a college group ministry together while we were there. Uh, this is a really good man. He's a really, really smart guy uh, and has a really cool story in his journey in pastoral ministry. His name is Matt Lamaster. Matt, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing wonderful. It's kind of more night here, but yeah, I'm doing good.
0: Yeah, it is evening at this point. It's getting a little late, yeah. so if... Uh, we're gonna try and keep the energy up here for you guys, but uh, if it sounds like we're a little tired, we've all had a full day at this point. But yeah. we're gonna we're gonna do our best to have a have a good podcast. Uh, before we go any further, Matt, I'm gonna ask: Have you ever been on a podcast before?
1: You know, I don't know if I actually have or not. This might be my uh, inaugural inaugural venture into the podcast world. Oh, yeah, very cool.
2: Well, hopefully, we'll try to make it a good experience. Yeah, we'll hopefully, I don't. Uh, <laughs> Hopefully I'm not
1: just awkward the whole time. We'll see I'll do my best i'll do I'll try to be really awkward at first and
0: then grow and be like awesome <laughs> yeah. and so, so for anyone who doesn't know, I'm just going to say this about Matt if anyone doesn't because most people don't know this about Matt Matt has a good sense of humor and he has somewhat of a sarcastic sense of humor, so if you feel some of that it's he's probably yeah. telling a joke. <laughs>
1: The la- the later at night, the more sarcastic I get.
2: Oh, this is going to be great! I'm I'm yeah. looking forward to this. <laughs> so this is yeah, going to be good.
0: fun. <clears throat> but anyway, Matt, if you could tell us some stuff about you, if you some things you would want our audience to know about Matt Lamaster, what would you? How would you describe yourself and your journey into pastoral ministry?
1: Yeah. Well, first, I just want to thank you guys for having me on, and uh, it's a privilege, as uh, Cody said, as as you said, Cody, we are. Um, we're friends from college, and uh, I, I hope all of your guys listeners know just uh, how dear you are to me, um, and uh, how much I've appreciated your friendship over the years. And um, yeah, there's some really pivotal moments when I was going to Moody where I don't know that I would have uh, made it through without you. So I just appreciate you more than you know. Uh, and thank uh, you. yeah, yeah, I'm happy to be on. Um, well, a little bit about me. I uh, grew up in. Arizona and the um, the mountains of Arizona, and I came to Chicago and uh, to go to Moody, and it was just totally different universe, totally different world, and um, uh, it was really good good experience for me, really positive. Um, I uh, you know the the sociologist Colin Woodard says that the American West is the only part of uh, America where the landscape has really shaped the people rather than the people shaping the landscape and um, Cody you know me
0: when I was first came to Moody I was a yeah. pretty rugged
1: guy He was definitely
0: <laughs> Matt Matt like Matt's the kind of guy right we lived in Chicago and there were some parts of Chicago that were rough and if I was going to be in a rough neighborhood I would want to take Matt with me I knew I'd be safe <laughs> I don't with Matt I don't know about that. But, Tough guy. Uh, okay. How are guy. we
2: defining rugged? Because, like, right now I'm imagining cowboy hat, big beard, just burly flannel, <laughs> yeah. jeans, so, cowboy boots. So,
1: so, a little bit of an aside, when I first took my wife back home to meet my family, because I grew up in, like, a really, like, a rancher town. Um, oh, so exactly was, that? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And she was, like, laughing. She's like, why are all these people dressed up like cowboys? I'm like, <laughs> probably because they are cowboys
0: <laughs> they're not so, dressed uh, up <laughs> Yeah,
1: that's real life on huh? yeah so uh yeah but uh anyways i went to moody and just um absolutely loved it it was um exactly the education that the lord was using for me and um yeah i um I don't know how much there is to how much there is to tell, but like uh, Cody said, we I we were kind of part of a college ministry together, and we kind of helped lead it. And then um, I uh, after I got married, my wife and I we actually started going to another church, and uh, I went on staff at that church, as a significantly smaller church, a, a church renewal mm-hmm. project, and um, and uh, I kind of got to be an assi- it My title was an assistant pastor, but that's pretty similar to what the role was and um i got to just kind of see ministry in a small church up close and um through just kind of an, a number of divine providences the lord um just kind of made it clear to my wife and i that uh about a year year and a half or so later it was time for us to move on and um i was having she wasn't sure what the next step was and i was having co- we were we were both having coffee with a a former pastor of mine that I had growing up, he was in Chicago for business. And, um, he was, you know, he, I was just kind of explaining to him where we were at and he said, you know, the Lord has kind of put it on your heart to preach. And, um, what I would recommend is do what I did and just kind of go find, go find anywhere that'll let you preach. And, um, yeah, that's basically it was, I, it was right after that. Um, I saw the ad for this church and I was, so I applied to it like the neck, you know, within the day and, um, my wife and I were talking and I was like, you know, I didn't tell him to say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, but, uh, it, it's funny how the Lord uses things like that because it was, well, that was, I think one of the points where she was like, okay, um, if this is where we go, it'll be all right. And, um, yeah, the Lord just kind of brought us to the church that we're in now and um, very similar to the church that I was serving in a more assistant role and in Chicago, a smaller church and uh, a church renewal or revitalization, uh, replant, whatever your terminology is for it. And um, yeah, yeah it, that's that's kind of a big flyover of my
0: yeah. Uh, it, my life. So, and you mentioned having a having a call to preach. I, I myself, I, l- I love preaching. It is probably uh, my favorite component of ministry. I love the preparation. I love the study, and I love being able to share with the congregation uh, the good word. And you know, we talked shortly on our phone conversation that you felt um, a big calling to preaching. And It seems to be really your passion in in ministry yeah. preaching. And you seem to have a pretty well developed theology and philosophy of preaching. So, how do you go about on a weekly basis? How do you go about preparing for a sermon? How do you how do you go about even planning ahead of of yeah. what you want to go through systematically? Um, do you pick books of the Bible to go through and kind of preach through that in an expository fashion? What's your What's your overall preparation method?
1: Yeah, well, it's a good question. Um, I think for anyone who wants to teach in any capacity, whether it is preaching like I do, or whether it's just teaching a small group or Sunday school class, um, the most important thing that you can do is have a personal time with the Lord on a regular basis, ideally every day. Um, and uh, I think that really lays the foundation and the bare bones for what it looks like, um, because in in that daily in that daily study, the Lord is transforming you and renewing you. And, um, when you get to the point where you are communicating God's word, whether it's a discussion or whether it's preaching and teaching, you have something, you have something to share, you know, it's not just information. Um, so I, I always say that's the very first step. Um, really my, my preparation for preaching, um, uh, I kind of distinguish between indirect and direct study, so yeah. that having a daily devotional would be part of my indirect study. Uh, other parts of my indirect study would be regular reading, regularly reading um, Christian counseling literature, regularly reading systematic theology, history, sociology, philosophy. Um, I try to read, you know, fifty-ish pages a day in some some kind of different level, um, whether it's just blogs or you know whatever. And then, um, as far as my as far as my direct reading, I try to plan out about six months in advance. I honestly think I need to do a little bit better. Um, six months in advance, so I preach through uh, books of the Bible. I'm just not smart enough to come up with
0: um, come up with topical series. Yeah. Top- <laughs> topical is tough, man. Is to do it well oh and to God. do it in a way that honors God and honors His Word is tough. It is really well, tough.
1: Well, and that's key. It, I think you're right. It's the the honoring his word when you're doing. I think you can preach a good topical sermon, and I've done it, but it is hard. And
0: yeah. even right
1: now, we're coming off of a more topical series, although it's more it's pretty expositional. I'm like I can't wait to get back in the regular lectio continua preaching through yeah. the, to the Bible. I mean, it's just yeah. So, but yeah. So I try to plan out my sermon schedule six ish months in advance. Um, and then I, when it comes to the actual week of the study, I, I set aside a a day for study, and that's my Wednesdays. And um, first thing I do, unless it is a really long scripture, I'll translate out the whole scripture, and um, whether uh, I'm just, you know, blessed with the ability to do that for my education, and um, and uh, I'll I'll do that. And what. What, the reason I translate it, and I don't think you have to do it. I think if you don't have the language skills or you just, you're just you not confident in your ability to translate, you can just copy it down. But the reason that I translate it is because it forces me to slow down and not speed read over the text. Yeah. Because the Greek and Hebrew, no matter how good you are at translating, is still probably unfamiliar enough that it forces you to think about it.
0: Exactly, yeah. And
1: it, you can do that, just you can find other ways to do it, but translating just works for me. And then, um, you know, depending, it really depends on what the scripture is and what the genre of the scripture is that I go from there. But um, I don't know how much in detail that you want. So like if it's a narrative, I plot out kind of the plot of the story. If it's a dialogue, I try to understand the progression of the dialogue. If it is like a letter or law that Paul's that Paul's writing or it's in the Old Testament, um, I try to understand Kind of the structure of the argument, if it's um, if it's poetry in the Old Testament, I try to really focus in on the different parallelisms and um, the the relationship between the lines. So my study from that point gets to it. Kind of depends on what what the text is. Right now, preaching through Matthew eighteen, my pr- my study has been focusing on the progression of the dialogue. How does the different yeah? yeah how does it all fit together? And then um, and then that typically takes me a whole day between all that. And Mm then, um, on Fridays I sit down to write my sermon and you write yours
0: out manuscript or you do outline notes.
1: I do. I would say I do a detailed outline.
0: Okay.
1: Yeah. And I typically don't look at comment really look at commentaries until Friday because I typically will have 10 or 15 pages of notes on my own by the time I get to commentaries. So, um, but yeah, I'm, I do a detailed outline manuscript and then, um, I try to memorize the outline and then bring as little with me into the pulpit as I possibly can. So I'll practice it once or twice, yeah. and then I'll just – I'm just a better preacher that way. Not yeah. everyone can do that. Some people should not do that. Some people probably need to bring less into the
0: pulpit than I do, but yeah. um, that's just the ideal for me. So yeah.
1: that's probably more detail than you wanted. But that's no, no, hard. that's
0: – that's good. we we've talked about on our podcast a little bit before about the importance of teaching in the church and understanding the preparation behind it. and even going a step further and thinking about how the pastor prepares on a weekly basis, I think just helps us to know more about what is your pastor doing in your church every week. like it's it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. And it's done in yeah. love and it's done. Those four
1: hours on Sunday morning, man, that just, that's all that I do all week. <laughs> yeah, right, right, yeah.
0: It's, so what, that's the question you probably get a lot, right? You probably tell people you're a pastor, like, so what else you do, you know? Yeah. <laughs> what, yeah. what else are you doing? Uh, yeah. Uh, good, man. And I appreciate you sharing with that. And at this point, I really would like to get a little bit into your your journey, how you ended up in, in Anderson, Indiana, in a small church that uh, you have said is in need of, was in need of a little bit of revitalization. And right. and you were, how old were you at the time? Like 26? 27? 26. Yeah. 26. I feel like
1: I was younger then and that I'm older than I am now.
0: Yeah. But yeah, 26 now Matt I would say you're a guy who's a wisdom you have wisdom beyond your years for sure but well, a, lot, about that. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of people are not turning mm-hmm. up as as senior pastors at age 26 and I think right. there's a lot of good things about it and probably a lot of challenges so let's yeah let's talk about some of the challenges <laughs> that you had so let's start yeah. by talking about what when you got the call to 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 go to your church and please remind me the name of your church so we can uh
1: southern southern heights christian church
0: southern heights christian church and so when you got the call that they wanted you to be their senior pastor let's talk about as much as you're willing to share how did that conversation go between you and your wife hannah how did that go (laughs)
1: oh man um well let me share one thing real fast yeah absolutely Uh, something you just said um You're absolutely right. It is pretty rare for a young guy to become a pastor of a church. But I I just want to encourage any maybe a young guy who's thinking about doing it um, before I kind of share some of the 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 ups and downs. Um, We need more young guys who are willing to take on that task. Um, I was just looking at a stat. It's something like 15 percent of pastors right now are 40 or younger. And uh, that is like one third of what it was in the 50s, I think. Oh wow uh, yeah, it's pretty it's pretty sad. And there is a crisis which is already starting to hit the American church, but I think you will only see it worsen in, in the years to come where um, you're gonna have aging churches um, filled with people and they're not going to be able to find a pastor. And a lot of churches that I talk to are having trouble finding pastors. And part of the reason is because, um, they haven't hired a young pastor and the call on young men to go and preach the word is, um, going to go out and there's going to be a lot of churches that will not be able just won't be able to find a pastor. You're already seeing it. But I think I'm, my guess is, you know, I'm not a futurist, but in the next 10 to 15 years, um, and beyond, it's going to become a, like, not just a trend, but a crisis because, um, Churches without pastors um, tend to not be able to sustain themselves over the long term. Some can, but most can't. And uh, you're going to see churches just collapsing on themselves because they don't have pastors. And there's no guys who are experienced enough to take it up. So I'm sorry, I interrupted. What were you saying? No, I was
2: interrupting you. So what do you think is the biggest barrier for that? What's the reason that young people our age aren't doing that? is it more of a cultural thing within the church itself or is it just nobody wants to do it?
1: That's a good question. Um, I think there's a lot of factors. Um, I think one of them is there's just not, not as many young guys wanting to go into the ministry. Um, I think another factor, I honestly, I think another factor is just there are a lot of young guys who haven't been serious about their walks and um, they're not qualified when they ought to have been qualified, you know, And um, for whatever reason, they're stuck in sin. They're not serious about their quiet time. They're devotional. And it's God's mercy that he has kept them from the pulpit because they will destroy themselves in the church. Um, Some of it is people are just they couldn't find a job. And so they gave up and they went into insurance or they went into other trades. I mean, and there's a million other reasons. Some of them are really good reasons. Right. But, yeah, that's kind of that's my that's my suspicion. At least that's not a statistic. That's I guess that's all I get.
2: Yeah. cuz like i like i feel like from my experience in the church churches when they're looking for pastors are looking for pastors that kind of fit the age demographic like the demographics of the mm-hmm. selecting yeah. committee.
0: It, yeah. it, unfortunately, sometimes I think it comes to who is a pastor who can get the people with the money in the church. And <laughs> I know that that comes across yeah. with some sense of of pessimism, yeah. but there are some That's churches true. that have gotten themselves so big, they're gigantic organizations uh, that oh gosh, yeah. how do you how do you replace a pastor who planted a church that grew oh that church to multiple of thousands of peace people and now that guy's gone you know who's uh, qualified for that you know it's, it's a small section is, of people
1: especially if that guy's disqualified himself i mean yeah. that you want to talk about well anyways um i and by the way if you are on a search committee for a church hire a search firm don't try to do it on yourself. Just hire a search firm. I promise yeah. you it'll save you time and money over the long run and it will get you a better quality
0: candidate. All yeah. right. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> and, that,
1: and I, and
0: I think that also yeah. goes on the other end too. If you're looking to get a job in the church, use yeah. search firms cause you will yeah. probably get placed in a, in a better position for yourself that it's fits your crazy. qualifications.
1: Oh, it's absolutely true. When I when I uh, applied for the job at our church, um, the job description was one line.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome, though. I mean, oh, you need yeah. these stories. We need these stories.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um. Anyways, I'm sorry, Cody. You asked me a question like 20 yeah. minutes ago. Yeah.
0: Hannah's and- reaction. <laughs> what was it like?
1: Yeah. Um. You know, it was kind of we were, in some ways, coming out of a difficult. Situation at our church um, that we were serving at for a number of reasons. And um, I think she was a little bit, I think she was a little bit wary of putting ourselves into another position like that situation. And um, even though we love that church and we had a lot of good friends in that church, and it's certainly not a comment on anyone in particular, but there are just a number of reasons why it was tough. And, um, and, Um, I think she was a little bit wary, understandably. Um, I don't think I would have gone unless I got, I, I mean, I'm just opportunistic enough and just optimistic enough, um, to be foolish (laughs) to step into things that are maybe not the best idea. Uh, but I, I think even by then I knew not to do that unless it was okay with her. And, um, but when we first came and candidated at the church, um, there were a couple things that really stuck out stuck out to us about the church. Um the church our church is and to this day it's still true, very generous and very um giving and loving people and uh really welcoming, genuinely welcoming, not welcoming in the way that a lot of small churches think they are. Um, yeah. you know, friendly to everybody but everybody else. And uh and so genuinely welcoming genuinely friendly and um I think that there were enough people who were serious about the Lord um that they that it made a very positive impact on both my wife and I um so I yeah I think her reaction was is going to be difficult it's going to be tough um but it might just be what the Lord has for us, and there were some very clear things that the Lord did to make it clear. As she she says, you know, if we would have said no, we would have been like swallowed up by a giant whale. She felt like yeah. so. Yeah, because yeah, you guys but, been there yeah. two, three years. Three three years at three this point. years. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> so I don't know if that answers your question, but yeah, I think uh, it was a it was mixed. Probably a, the best description is a mixture of a lot of different things. Yeah. So,
0: yeah, yeah. Because I I know that it, you know you you mentioned that the transition period was a little bit difficult, and <laughs> and you know yeah. we'll 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 respect everything that went on there, but that can be tough okay. on a marriage. That can be tough on mm-hmm. a, your spouse, especially you being the pastor and your you know you know Hannah, your wife being the pastor's wife. I think that there is always a sense of how much more can I take of of right. this, and and I think right. that's as as pastors. You got to be when your wife shows you grace and love and yeah. and support, you got to be thankful for that. And when yeah. you're having tough times, remember those times that, you know, she she laid it on the line for you, man.
1: <laughs> that is, oh, that is so true. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And yeah, she was we
1: we're very blessed that she was able to keep her job uh, when we moved to Anderson and the people who are at her new office, um, just really connected with her and a couple people in particular. And, um, that got her, I think that was one of the things that got her through some of the really tough seasons. So, but yeah, yeah. So cool. that's, uh, yeah, that's kind of in a nutshell how she has managed to deal with, um, with it. Yeah. So,
0: yeah, so you end up in Anderson, Indiana at Southern Heights Christian Church and then when you show up, are you and Hannah the youngest people in the church when you guys came? I'm I think about that. That's a that's a good question. Um
1: Yeah, we might have been.
0: Okay. okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so that how, how was that? How was that being the youngest, or at least one of the youngest people in the church, and you are the pastor. You are the leader of of the church at that point. How how did you how did you get through that?
1: Yeah, you know it. It's weird. It was difficult in some ways, and then not difficult in others. Um, I think that there's, you know, in the area where I live, a lot of people came up, settled settled Anderson from from the south in, um, parts of Appalachia. Um, and I think in that kind of Southern mountaineer culture, there's just enough respect for pastors where, um, they were willing to give me a fair shot, even though I was significantly younger than them.
0: That's awesome though.
1: Yeah. Oh, it was really, it was a huge blessing. Um, there were a couple times where it was a tension point point. Okay. and they, they'll joke, they'll joke with me. They'll joke with me and say, oh, you're just young. You don't know what you're talking about. But for the most part, they're willing to listen on the merits of what I'm saying itself, not necessarily based on my age. Um, there are a couple times with a couple people where um, th- where it became a conflict point. But I don't think even then it was a conflict point. I think it was part of bigger conflicts. Okay. So... Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I was blessed. So I was blessed cause I got to be an assistant in an assistant role in a church, very similar. And so I kind of got to see what to do and what not to do.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I hear you. Someone who knew more than me. And, um, and he would, you know, he would say, you know, that I, he hoped that he taught me um, what the, you know, the right way in some things. So I got to see, I knew some of the landmines to avoid. Um, and I knew the way to go about conversations. So like a lot of, for a lot of young pastors going into a church situation like me, um, the reality is, especially if you're going into a church with people from the Vietnam era, probably your church is run by veterans and, yeah. um, a lot of young, a lot of young guys will go into a church, um, and they'll blow the church up because they'll try to take the flags down, or you know something, or um, and without, and you know, there's a whole debate in in church life about what's appropriate, what's not appropriate, and how do you get there? I mean, you guys know that, right. but um, I. You know, I think if you're a young guy going into a church, that was definitely an area where I got to see. There was a point in my ministry before I became a senior pastor where I saw that just about kill someone's ministry. Um, and this person would say that he, that it, what did that something where it was just a little bit of a bullheaded take at the issue. Okay. I think if you're, I and I and that's not a I did something right. That was I saw someone do something wrong and I learned from from that. And um, if you're a young guy going into a church, you need to take time to get to know the veterans a, because they probably run your church and you should be thankful because the military has instilled in them a sense of service and discipline. Yeah. Which a lot of other people don't have. (laughs) I mean, most churches are run by veterans. That's the reality. Oh, that's Um,
0: that's a good take.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, so if nothing else, you just need to know, but you also need to understand like what it costs a lot of those guys. There's, um, there's a traveling Vietnam wall in our, that goes around the States and it was close to our town. And one of our deacons took me, I, I asked him if he'd be willing to take me and he took me to go see it. And, um, cause he fought in Vietnam and I wanted to go there with him. And, um, and he kind of, it, it was, a, um, it, I don't think it was easy for him cause there's, he has a lot of mixed feelings about it. Um, but he was willing to do it because he was willing to share with me kind of some of his experiences. And I just think for any pastor, until you've had that talk, until you've gone with them to the wall, so to speak, until you've um, heard their experience and you know been with them through that, you had better not touch that flag because you just don't know what it means to them. And I'm not yeah. saying that – sometimes patriotism gets a little bit, just like anything else in the church, can get overblown. So I'm not saying it can't get overblown. I'm just saying, man, you just got to understand what you're doing when you take a flag out of a church. Um, oh, yeah. it, it means something that a lot of young guys don't realize. Anyway, that's one of the I, – I talk about that just because I know that's one of the common conflicts for a
0: lot of young guys yeah. going into a church. Yeah. You know. Yeah, because um, really our generation, I mean, we are – we've been so blessed by things like like yeah. the draft era of, of this country to yeah. where people fought and had to be drafted and gave their lives over that. I, I really, for me, I can say that out of experience, I don't have the proper appreciation for it that that I probably should um, because our society's come so far and we have such a, a strong military system at this point where we do get a lot of people right. who enlist and volunteer. And, you know, I think... Right. I, you know, because Christianity in and of itself is is not totally tied to a society or a government, we automatically kind of have this very uh, postmodern thinking that comes into where it's like, oh, nationalism, patriotism, that's old school. Uh, it's Let's make right. it all about uh, the church, and, which is good. But at the same time, I mean, those people fought so that you could have that church. And Well, for all there. those,
1: yeah. And for all those people who say like, uh, you know, America's the evil empire or whatever. Like, I don't know. Peter says to honor the emperor. <laughs> no, matter <what> your, <laughs> no matter what your opinion is about it. And you know, I don't, that's not, that's not to say that people who, that there's not any injustice in our country because I think everybody knows that there is. But anyways, you guys know what I'm saying. It's, yeah. it, that's it. That is a common struggle for young pastors is to not know how to handle that in churches and, yeah. um, Yeah, I think for, well, I don't, I'm trying to think about some of the things that have been difficult. Um, I think for older generations, um, one of the common errors is to equate, it tends, it's true for younger generations too, but it's more true for older generations. Um, and I don't know necessarily why that is, but they tend to equate their Christian life with things that they do. And so you have a lot of, and what I mean by that is acts of service that they do. Yeah, like yeah, If they, if they serve at a food pantry, if they do, if they volunteer forty hours a week at a church, and you know those are obviously not bad things, but that means that they're a good Christian. And, and a person who's going into a church situation like mine, um, there is there tends to be a. Uh, there probably are people in your church, there could be, I guess I should say there could be, who have n- never really radically encountered Jesus Christ. And their Christian walk could be um, summed up in the things that they do for God, not in what God has done for them. Okay. And there's real subtle works righteousness um, where people, they just haven't met the Lord and they think they're Christians and they're not. And, Probably that's going to be something that um, if you're a young pastor going into a church, I know this is something that I had to struggle with. I'm trying to be very diplomatic with my words right now. Yeah, absolutely. Although, as you know, Cody, I, I I'm not always good
0: at that. Matt, <laughs> Matt, you are, you are. Um, Notorious goodness. is probably the right way to say it for you you say what you think. Um it's true. You said I mean Matt is the guy who's going to tell you. He's going to tell you how he feels. At least that's always been my impression of you is that Matt's not really going to dance around with you. He's going to tell you <laughs> tell you what he thinks.
1: I yeah, that that has gotten me into trouble. I'm not as uh, uh yeah. I get that from my mom cuz my dad is very diplomatic, but my mom she's a bit of a firecracker and I, I kind of got that from her. So um. Anyways, <laughs> uh, yeah. I think if if you're a young pastor going going into a church situation like I did, you will have to wrestle with you will have to deal with works righteousness and people who have fallen into legalism. Yeah. In that way.
0: Yeah. Oh, and- you mentioned you mentioned that a lot of these people. Haven't had a radical encounter with Jesus Christ. I believe that's right. what you said. Yeah. Now, now yeah. for I think it's good for us to at least take a moment because there might be people who are listening who are like, I don't know what he means, or maybe haven't yeah. had that experience either. So, so what does that look like? A radical encounter with Jesus Christ? What would you say are some examples of that? That maybe from your own life or your own experience in ministry, uh, that that you think?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think. When when I say a radical encounter with Jesus Christ, um, there's a hymn that our song that our church sings, which I just love, um, rock of ages cleft for me. And there's a line in there that says nothing in my hands I bring simply to the cross I cling. Um, if you have never had an experience where you come to Christ and you realize that there's nothing that you can do which can earn His love, and there's nothing that you can do which, if you always feel like you owe God something, um, if you're, if you always feel like, in, uh, you know, the movie Saving Private Ryan, where at the end of Saving Private Ryan, um, he breaks down in tears because yeah. uh, his, his commanding officer told him that he had to earn it on his. And if you always feel like you have to earn it, um, I would say that's probably a sign that you don't know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Because to encounter Jesus Christ is to do what Paul says in Philippians, to um, lose the whole world to gain him. Mm-hmm. Because with with everything in the world and without Jesus, you don't really have anything. And with Jesus and nothing else, you have everything. And... Um, if you've never come to a point, I, I would invite you to put your faith in him and to confess your sins to him and ask him to be your Lord and Savior. Um, because even though it will not necessarily be the easiest thing and even though it will not necessarily – what's the right way to put it? Even though it's not necessarily the easiest thing and even though it's not necessarily the 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 most earthly – it doesn't make you look great in the world's eyes to humble yourself Yeah, like that. I you will not you will not um, regret it in the long run yeah (laughs) you know it's worth it to pick up a cross to follow him you know yeah so that's what I mean by radical encounter with Jesus Christ
0: um yeah and i think some of that too is difficult even just and i think it's part of our our fallen nature as people to get out of that works based Mm -hmm. mentality of like i've got to i've got to earn everything i've got to i've got to get this i've got to earn that and i think to me something that i've i've really really looked into is is even how it's really tough for us as people to deal with some of the ambiguity of faith deal with some of the ambiguity of the holy spirit and I think that's can make it confusing, but that's also kind of what makes it beautiful, which is like this right. is absolute faith and belief. There are some people who you'll tell what you believe and you know it to be true and it just won't make sense to them. And, right. and that's okay. That's yeah. okay because you know it to be true. The Holy Spirit has, has given you that truth and and you live by faith. And that's just yeah. something over the years, It's it's been one of yeah. the things that I have... Tried to explain better, but as I try to explain it better, it just gets harder. <laughs> yeah, the harder you
1: try to explain mystery, yeah. the less you're able to. Yeah, it's so, a great,
0: yeah. So
1: Cody, how would you, to someone who's maybe listening, who is a little bit afraid of embracing that mystery that is Christ, because he is the mystery that was hidden from before the foundations of the world, um, how, would you, how would you encourage someone that's afraid to kind of take that step Towards Christ, yeah. um, because there's so much unknown behind it. There really is.
0: Yeah, yeah. If you're uncomfortable with the unknown, I would say that first of all, that's that's okay. That's that's okay right. because it is unknown. And a good step is to familiarize yourself with what is known. We have we have Scripture. We have we have the Bible. We have the Gospel and i think to familiarize yourself with the person of jesus christ i would say definitely if you are on the fence or if you are young in your faith familiarize, familiarize yourself with the gospels you know know the person of yeah. jesus christ and when you really examine his life you really examine how he lived you see that this is someone who scripture refers to as as god in the flesh the son of man and you see an example of of who your savior is how right. exactly soteriology or the process of salvation works we can try to nail it down to a science but right. it's really about a faith in in a, a, a you know Jesus incarnate god in the flesh who died for your sins rose from the grave it's about a faith in in that and right. how the mechanisms of it work and how God really does all of the, the fine-tuning, I think sometimes we want to wrestle with that. I mean, that's what theology is, basically. And right. at the end of that, sometimes we won't have all of the answers, and that's okay because the answer that matters right. the most is given to you clearly. I am the right. way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except through me. If you can trust right. that, you can wake up in the morning believing that and go to bed at night believing that. That is a good place to be. There's a lot of mystery. There's a lot of unknown. There's a lot of wrestling that goes in it. And I would say when you're wrestling, don't always view it as a negative because sometimes wrestling is a good thing. Some of my best moments in life have been when I'm wrestling with trying to solve mysteries or things I don't know or don't understand because I can, I don't always come out with the right answer or an answer, but I come out more faithful and that is a testimony to the work of Christ.
1: And I think too, the moments in my life where I think you, I can identify genuine faith is when I feel like I have gotten to that point of I'm wrestling. And sometimes I lose the wrestling match. I'm like Jacob, <laughs> 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 you know, and it's like, well, that's okay. You know, I, because the fact that I was wrestling means that I believed enough to wrestle um, so that even though I lost and I know I lost that to me is still a sign that God is real and that I have faith even though it's paradoxical as that is. So, Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, I think that's great. So, yeah, I'm, we keep getting off, but... Uh, yeah, it's okay, it's okay, it's good stuff. Good.
0: We are talking yeah. about wrestling, though, and we're kind of on the yeah. topic of, of some of the challenges you face. So what are some of the challenges oh, yeah, you right. you faced within the church? You know, we've mentioned you being a little bit younger than the rest of your congregation, right. and... So, you know, you, you mentioned to me, as we talked before, like some positive things that you've seen, Mm -hmm. but I'm sure you didn't get there without, without some difficulties. So what are some other things besides maybe the age, um, thing, because it also is your first time being a senior pastor. Mm -hmm. It's, that's, that's gotta be a challenge in and of itself. So, you know, some other things that might've been challenges. And then, don't worry, everybody. We will talk about some good stuff as, as well, some, <laughs> some positive reward well, things.
1: Yeah, let me uh, – so something that is – it'll hit all three heads, all three stones, everything with one stone um, is, a, it is slightly negative but also um, positive. And it also – I think it's true for all pastors, but um, I think it's particularly true for younger pastors. Um, you, you have to get – I think it's pretty common for, for young pastors, but I I know it's common for all pastors to get into a church and think that they know everything and um, think that they know how everything has to run and how everything has to function. And man, if you can't, I mean, probably the hardest thing for young pastors and I think for all pastors, but especially for young pastors is um, just humbling yourself and being open to listening to others and being opening to listening to feedback. And if you never get to that point, like you will never be able to break through and build um, loyalty with your members and build, have love for them and be able to listen to them. Mm -hmm. You know, like um, today I was in a, I'm in a small group with two of the deacons in our church and uh, we're in our small group today. We were finishing up a study on Gideon and one of the deacons, he was just um, saying some really, he was, he's not afraid to ask hard questions and so we're talking about about Gideon and how he built this EFOD for himself and um, if you're not willing to humble yourself and I'm not I'm saying this as someone who's had to learn the hard way but if you're not willing to humble yourself and ask like what they think about it like you're going to you are going to cut that conversation short because you think you know all the answers <laughs> Yeah. like you got to let the other person talk um, or even like tonight I was in a meeting with some with a number of people, including, um, two longtime members of our church, very dear people to me. And, um, after the meeting, I turned to them, I said, I feel like I crossed the line in this situation. I was talking about something and he said, we didn't feel that you crossed the line, but we felt that you did this other thing wrong. Well, like (laughs) if you don't, if, and once again, I'm certainly not the, the great example of humility, but if you can't humble yourself, you will never be able to receive it in that moment. Yeah, Like, and they were i think that they were right yeah Um, and
0: And that's cool because i think being a a younger pastor i think you wanting to learn and wanting to really come into this and do the best you can for your church and for god i think that you you can do one of two things right you can either be arrogant like you're the fresh out of seminary guy who knows everything or you can be humble be like i i am lacking the life experience and i can really take input from my other ministry leaders. I'm not the, I'm not the head of this church. I'm just trying to lead. And it seems to well, that, that you've taken that I, side of it.
1: Well, well, sometimes I do one, sometimes I do the other <laughs> <laughs> in, in, in my better moments. I, but I think it's a, I think what you just said there is so key. Like, if you think you're the head of the church, you are going to have problems because it's right. not your church. You didn't buy it with your body and blood. Christ did. And so Christ doesn't like to share <laughs> that way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if you try to set yourself on the throne, man, you are yeah, you're in trouble. But the the reality is, it can really be a blessing to learn from the wisdom. I mean, that honestly, that's one of my favorite parts of having. And I I should say, it's not like Archer is a retirement home. Archer is very right. intergenerational. Um, and we have we're probably about uh even retirees and even people, young careers. And we have a couple people in the middle, but not many. And so if you're in your fifties and you live in Anderson, please come to my church. Cause I need some, I need some help, but yeah, <laughs>
0: that's what this podcast is all about.
1: Um, uh, yeah, we need some, we need some, some help for some young bucks that we got, but anyways, um, they know who they are. uh, <laughs> uh So one of the benefits of having older people in your church is if you're young, if you're a young guy, you get to just go and learn from people who have, who fought in world war two. I mean, like that was a long time ago. And you um, have
0: world war II veterans in your church.
1: I got one left. Wow.
0: That's amazing.
1: Yeah. He's such a cool guy too. He is just very soft spoken, but like really supportive and, um, yeah, he's funny. He he always uh he always wears uh, polos because he always likes to go golfing in the afternoon after church. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he's great. Nice. Yeah, yeah, he's 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 a good guy. He I got to go visit him in the hospital recently, and because he had a, a situation, and he just was. Having said, he was so thrilled to have have his pastor come visit him in the hospital. Like, anyway, it's such a sweet. Him and his wife are such such a dear couple. And so, like, if you're a young pastor, you, relish those moments um, that you get to be around older people because it's just it's such it really is a blessing because those people they can really teach you a lot. So yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, that's awesome. And you know, Matt, we talked a little bit as well about you. You kind of dealt with a tragedy in your church that was unique. Uh, if you if you want to share about, it, I know we mentioned talking about it here a little bit um, that a lot of pastors don't have to go through. And I can say from being mostly done with seminary and and you having just finished, we don't talk about it. I mean, we talk about tragedy in general, but the specific yeah. the the specifics of of how things go down. I mean, you just can't, you can't hit everything, right? You, you've only got so much class time, only so much hours. And, uh, and so do you want to talk to, to us about one of the tragedies you kind of had to deal with early on in your ministry and, yeah. and it's been a challenge?
1: Yeah. So a little bit of context to the situation. Um, there is for people who are doing church revitalization and church renewal. Um, it's pretty much consensus that after about a year, your church will hit a crisis point. So
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, just buckle up, put your head down and work through it, man.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, our church was going through such a crisis point for a number of reasons. Um, and I was, there are cert- there are things that I certainly could have done better to do to deal with that. A lot of growth that happened in that period for me, but I was wrestling and dealing with how do we handle this, this crisis. And so that's kind of the context for, um, um, that's kind of the context for there was a, yeah. So there's a, there's a college in our town and, uh, there had been a college kid who has started coming eight months or so before. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I think I want to say January, maybe December, I can't remember. And, um, yeah really um really a, a kid who um what do I say what can I say about him in a public place um it's fair to say that he he wrestled with a lot of things that not everyone um, wrestles with and he he had gone through some own some of his own tragedy in his own life and he came to our church and he was really beaten up and, and broken and um he, I think he experienced a a uh, sense of past of, um, spiritual wholeness, I, I guess, I don't know. Uh, and, uh, he got baptized and, um, he's involved and, uh, I don't know, maybe a month or two after his baptism. And during that summer, he started to kind of just withdraw. And, um, he had dealt with depression for a long time. And, um, you know, as his pastor, I was trying to connect with him and, and talk with him and help disciple him out of this. And, um, yeah, and um, he would have been the beginning of se- September. He would go through cycles where he would withdraw and then come back, withdraw, come back, withdraw, come back. And so it was pretty normal for us to not see him for a couple of weeks and then for him okay. to all of a sudden show up all the time. And uh, he would come over to our house and uh, play with our dogs and um, get our dogs too riled up and then leave. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was it was one of his trademark moves, and uh, he just get yeah. Anyways, he'd come over for small groups and uh, Bible studies, and um, just well well liked guy. And um, yeah, maybe uh, about two weeks after the school year started, he started to just kind of withdraw,
2: and um,
1: I had some indications that something darker was happening, but it was hard to know. It had kind of looked like that before, but I think I want to say it was the first of October 2017. I want to say um, I got a phone call from his roommate who had also been coming to our church at that point. And uh, I could just tell there was a really worried tone in his voice. Um, and he, and yeah, and um, he said that his roommate had locked himself in his room and he wasn't responding. And um, I was like, okay, I'm leaving the church. I was at the church and I was like, I'm leaving the church right now. I'll be there. Ten minutes, and I'm driving, speeding, breaking all the speed limits to get there. And he keeps calling me back. I say, "Listen, call the police right now. Just hang up on me and call the police. Get to the room. Get to the house. And uh, the door is shut. It won't open. It's locked. And um, there, all his roommates are kind of gathered outside. They don't know what to do. And um, I go over to his. To to his his room was on the outside. And I opened up the window, climbed into the window, so first person in the room, and there I just see him, he had hung himself. And um, yeah, and that was traumatic and um, scary. You know, you're trying to do everything you can and there's, you're too late, you know, there's nothing you can do. And yeah, um, yeah. and uh, that was probably the toughest moment of, uh, of my ministry. Wow. Um,
0: yeah. So. Yeah, man that that's that is really tough. Like so, and then, and then you're there. You're there. Yeah. What's what's going through your head?
1: Well, a mixture of yeah, a mixture of just about everything. Um, mixture of shock. Shock is probably the biggest thing. Fear, um, anger. Uh, you know, false hope a couple times thought he was breathing, you know, got him down, tried to straighten his body out, tried to, you know, I, I, his roommate had to come in and do CPR cause I'm, I don't really know CPR. Yeah. And, uh, it, a couple times it looked, but there's just nothing. And so shock is the biggest thing. Um, what do you do in, in a time like that? You know, grief is washing over you and, um, Yeah, the police asked me to call his family, which I don't think was the right thing to do. It doesn't Um, seem right, no. No, I'm not sure. I don't know why they did. Uh, The police went to go find his parents. They called They asked me. They showed up, and they asked me if I would call his brother and his sister, who I knew and had a relationship with. They were were friends. His brother sometimes comes to our church. And, um, yeah, and, uh, um what do you say, what do you say when you call someone's sibling, you know, to tell them that their brother has taken his life? I mean, yeah, I don't, it was, I I don't think it was the right thing to do, but, um, you know, and at the time, what can you do? You know, you're just covered with shock and, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to say other than that. Um, Yeah, went to the hospital that night um, with his family and um, took his took his brother to go see the body and it was just yeah I mean
0: yeah that was it was a tragedy I don't know yeah. I don't know
1: what other details you want out yeah, of. yeah no
0: no 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 I appreciate you sharing with us and and you know that's that's something that is tough to go through I mean I haven't been. Th- through something like that i i know josh here hasn't been through something like that i mean we all have our tragedies we've seen and witnessed and and that's really heavy stuff and then as as the pastor um this is one of your your members of your your congregants of your church someone who's coming someone someone who people know and and as a church i'm I'm sure you guys had some type of response and and how you handled this and talked about yeah. it or i don't know if you guys did the services or or anything yeah. like that but uh, you know then uh, how do you how do you talk to your congregation about that or people did people have questions or come to you with anything and
1: yeah uh, yeah you know that's a good question i'm trying to remember all the details because it's all really a blur um, right. his family lived a couple hours away and so they asked me to do the service um but it was a couple hours away so our church didn't do the service
0: okay.
1: um, but I I guess I I did um, yeah because it was at a, a college um, you know how student populations get affected by this kind of thing in different yeah. ways there's a lot of outward expression um, of emotion and um, you know I think for older for a congregation that with a lot of older folks like ours there was that there was that sense of grief um but almost bigger was for the young people who knew him cuz he was in a small group with a number of us uh a number of younger people um it was it was it was devastating i mean it is devastating and yeah but for the older people in our church for them to see someone who is so young take his own life was in a way it was like they didn't know how to they knew what happened obviously and that some of them had seen you know things that were even more traumatic than that but in a sense you know when you get to that age to see a young person throw their life away literally throw their life away um, in the prime of his life um, it is beyond explanation and so there was a lot of I don't want to say misunderstanding and I don't even want to say ignorance but there's just a lot of like how do we reckon with this, mm-hmm. um, for older people? And, and, um, yeah. So, you know, as a pastor, you have to pastor at different levels and, um, you have to pastor on the one hand to people who are farther in their walk. Others who aren't you have to pastor to some people who um, have masters, some people who don't, you have to pastor to some people who, um, are younger and some people who are older, uh, you know, to the right and to the left. Um, rich and poor. You just have to learn how to change levels to use a wrestling metaphor.
0: Yeah.
1: And, um, yeah, I, I mean, that's the only way to describe. I don't know if I did it perfectly, but, um, I spent, we were, let's hear, what were we doing? We were preaching through first Timothy at the time, and I took a break the next week and I preached, I did a theology of suffering the next week. And, um, you know, it's funny. I, I after you reached out to me and asked me to be on the podcast, I contacted one of, um, the student's friends who goes to our church, Mm -hmm. um, still in college. And we were out to coffee and I just asked him what he thought I did well and what he thought I didn't. And, um, you know, he said, I'm trying to, I want to do justice. Don't want to put words in his mouth. He said, you know, I didn't think, he said, I don't know that I think you did anything necessarily wrong. He said, I think, he said, um, I couldn't believe the sermon that you preached, not in the sense that, not in the sense that it was a mind blowing sermon (laughs) (laughs) and not in the sense that it was like an awful sermon, but he's like, I just had never, nobody had ever addressed suffering from the pulpit like that for him before. And he said that was really, really helpful. Yeah. And, um, and, um, he said one of the things, and I didn't feel at the time, I don't think you do when you're, when you're pastoring a tragedy, you don't feel strong. You feel very weak. And he said, but one of the, well, and a couple of people have said this to me over the years he said they said you ju- we just felt like you showed uh, a very godly strength during that time mm-hmm. and that is only by the grace of god because i didn't i don't feel like i did i felt very weak in the moment and i felt very exhausted and worn out driving back and forth you know to lafayette mm-hmm. um, a couple times that week and um, planning a service and you know, doing, you know, um, the equivalent of trauma care, counseling, you know, that kind of thing. And, um, yeah, I I don't think you do feel strong in those times, but I think God and his grace gives the strength that we need. And I think in those times, weakness is strength. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I, you know, I, one of the things that happens when people commit suicide, unfortunately, is people try to send, I mean, it happens a a lot with death, but it also happens with suicide. Uh, I guess I would, I would give this advice from my own experience to anyone who is pastoring through a similar situation. People try to sentimentalize it. And um, I just think that's wrong.
0: Yeah. What do you, Um, what do you mean by sentimentalize it? Oh, they try to dress it up in wordplay. So it doesn't
1: sound like what it was that he took his own life and you don't have to be graphic about it right um but you also and, and you know families they won't tell people why this person suddenly has passed away he's 25 <laughs> yeah. it's like there's not you can't deal with it if it doesn't ever come out into the open and you can't you know it if you keep that thing bottled up yeah. it will it will implode and one of the kindest things that you can do as a pastor in those kinds of situations is just, you don't have to be graphic. You should be sensitive, but Mm -hmm. you should not sentimentalize it. You shouldn't dress it up. You shouldn't say he passed away or it's better that he's out of pain now. No, it's not. It's not better that he took his life. I'm sorry. It's just, it's not.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And I think that's hard to talk about because there's a lot of families who've been through that and i think yeah. in some ways to console themselves yeah, you want right. yeah. you want to convince yourself of that and this is me personally i i know people who have gone through suicide i've not had a a close family right. member who's committed suicide so it's right it's easier to say but i but i also think you're touching on something that is important that sometimes we really need to develop how we think about things before they happen. and yeah. I think that allows us to deal with tragedy no matter what it looks like and yeah. still keep our faith in the process because, well, I think
1: yeah yeah I, I think that's good wisdom there. Um, yeah
0: I mean that's kind of what I'm gathering because I'm sure I'm sure the family has had to wrestle in with it in a different way. And, yeah. and, and, you know, it's one of yeah, those the, things, right? Something yeah. happens, suicide happens and it's like whispered in a church or whispered like he committed suicide and, and cause yeah. there's something about it. Cause I think a lot of people who don't struggle with depression or whatever causes right. individuals to get to that point. It just doesn't make sense.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, and it, it, and it is a worldview. The way I describe it is it's a worldview unto yourself because you can't just stop thinking about how depressed you are. And that just makes you more depressed. Yeah. I mean, and I think is, you know, as you're saying that, I think that's really wise. I had had the, I've been around suicidal people before and other experiences. And, um, and so that shaped somehow I kind of knew a little bit what, I mean, what the family is going through. I will, I will say, I mean, if this ever happens to you or to anyone, you know, you just need to know it didn't just happen. There is a lot behind it and probably years and years and years. Um, and I can't say, you know, just for the sake of this family, I can't say more than that, but just to say there, there's a lot that goes into suicide and it's not like someone just decides to do it one day. Um, it's like, there's a lot and there's probably going to be a lot that comes out during that week, I think you're exactly right, Cody. The instinct is to cover it up and to console yourself, but um, don't give into that Mm -hmm. because if, if you just try, if you cover it up, then you'll never wrestle with it. And you know, there is a, there is a, there's a guy in our church who, um, I don't think he'd mind me saying this. He's, he's autistic and uh, very high functioning, a Mm -hmm. really, really, really intelligent. And, um, and so But really, really logical.
0: (laughs) Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, I just don't get why he did it. He's like, it just doesn't make any sense. And he said what everybody else is thinking, right? Everybody else is thinking that. Everybody else is feeling that. Everybody else is, but everybody else knows not to say that. Mm -hmm. But in a way, he was the one who dealt with the grief in a really healthy way at times because he knew. Like he just couldn't stop saying, he couldn't not say it. Oh yeah, yeah, I know, <laughs> and I, I know what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah, and um, I, man, I think that um, you know. Once again, I don't ever want to tell someone to be rude about it, or to be graphic, or to be brutal, or um, to give more details than they have to. Or, but also as a pastor, one of the things you have to do is love your people enough to say, you know, really, how we we need to be honest because if if you're not willing to be how angry you are at the situation that this happened and that this person felt like they had no other recourse in their life than to do this. Um, mm. and you just, it will never make sense to you. I mean, it will never ever make sense to you, but it definitely will make less sense to you. And you just, it's just a cruel thing to do. I mean, really? So anyways, I'm, I digress. It was, it was a tragedy and I hope that, I hope that I was able to pass her well through yeah. it. Um, and I'm sure, I, I know that I made mistakes during that time, but by God's grace, I think that, um, that he, he did a lot of positive things in a lot of people's lives that week. And I'm thankful for that. So,
0: yeah, that's, that's a tough thing to go through any type of tragedy as, as a pastor, it, you, you, you you bear so much weight of it because yeah. there's a side of you that's like, man, I, if was, it was, there something else I could have done. Yeah. Um, but you know, Matt, I, I think what's neat in your ministry is you're still there. You've been there for three years. Obviously that means that it's, it's on the upward trajectory or going in a positive direction. I, I was, haven't gotten
1: sick of me yet. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure some
0: of have, But <laughs> I would say, I would say, if it if it wasn't going well for you because of statistics and information that we know and understand, you would have been gone 18 months ago. And yeah. so, so obviously, it's been a, a pretty good experience for you. So, so what are some things where we're getting in the final leg here of the podcast? What are some things that you would say were just have been really rewarding moments? in your ministry because we've kind of talked about some heavier things we've talked about some great right, things yeah. we've been we've been all over but man i've really i've really enjoyed talking about all this stuff but what are some things you would yeah. consider to be like some pretty rewarding moments
1: yeah i mean um and it doesn't just, just have to question. be a
0: moment it could be a bunch of different things
1: yeah i'm not um <laughs> i'm not gonna be one of those people like every moment's rewarding no that's not true <laughs>
0: <laughs> there <laughs> so he is being just, honest yeah, how it is. i
1: don't know any other way i don't know any other way uh probably in my case there's more reward than not really i mean i just i don't think I, you know before you become a pastor you don't really realize and you know this cody because though you're not a senior pastor you're bivocational right and you've been a youth pastor and and so you know that and josh i know you've done youth ministry so you understand Mm -hmm. this you just uh, you know you fall in love with the people and um their their family and sometimes family does things that just um they they hit you the wrong way but you Mm -hmm. still love them yeah Mm -hmm. um yeah it's it's a very odd it's a very odd bond you know Um, but it, I think it's a good one. And so that to me is really rewarding because I get to, to, um, yeah, I mean, and they've been, our church has been so good to my wife and I, I don't want it to sound it at times it has been difficult, but our church has been, um, really, really good to me and they've been very supportive and they have, um, yeah. And they're just yeah, they're very dear to me. And so, um, I don't, cause I have a hunch some of them might listen to this and I'm not, I'm not just saying this cause I know they will, but I yeah. do want them to know how much we do love them and care yeah. about them. Yeah. and, and I think
0: yeah. that's been the overtone. Yeah. Yeah. for well, sure. so. Yeah.
1: I think, um, I, I think rewarding on the other end is just kind of the growth that comes out of it. Yeah. And, um, You know, one of the things that we've joked about has been, I just, I do, I do call it like I see it, you know that. And, um, I still do that. I grew up in a culture which maybe overemphasized that.
0: (laughs) 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 And you you have a pretty big Uh, family too, right? Yeah. Yeah. You gotta,
1: you gotta speak up if you want to be heard. You You don't, I mean, I got, I have six brothers
0: and, um,
1: yeah, and they are all <laughs> almost all like me. There's one who's introverted, but oh, I, don't
0: really what, yeah, parents, I don't know what Your parents, man, they were they had a they had to run for their money, huh?
1: There is a screw loose there or something. I don't know. <laughs> but uh yeah, I mean so I I grew up in a family and but not just a family in an area and um that kind of glorified that kind of um rugged i call it like i see it if you don't want me to say it then don't be around me kind of you know and when you're in a church where you are constantly being criticized um because all pastors and i'm not saying that like i'm constantly being criticized but all pastors go through seasons where there tends to be more criticism than not um when you are in a church where you feel that criticism, the urge is to try to defend yourself. And if you are like me, you will over defend yourself. Um, and that's not necessarily a good thing. Mm. And, and I just remember it, just because it's true, just because it's true doesn't necessarily mean that you need to say it and you can let the Lord fight some battles for you. And I just remember There was one point during a really hard season, early, early, I think maybe a year and a half in or so, where I just realized, I said, you know, I don't want to be known as the pastor who's always talking bad about people when they're not around and who's always having to defend himself, even if what I'm saying is true. I want to be known far more for the good things that I say about people behind their back. And that was, you know, that's at times, it's still hard for me to do as you guys can probably tell <laughs> <laughs> because I do, I do have a more cynical nature and, um, and, and yet the, after years of being, trying to be disciplined in that, um, the growth that comes out of that and the joy that comes out of that and the cumulative effect that that has, um, really shows. And, um, you, you know, you feel a lot more confident in Christ cause you don't feel the need to defend constantly be on the defense. Like you can yeah. just trust, trust that what Christ has said about you is good enough, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, that, I mean, I know that doesn't, that's a painful thing. Most of the things in life that are good, you you find through trouble. <laughs> yeah, 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 no, that's
0: true.
1: <clears throat> and <clears throat> so, that is an absolute positive of being a pastor. And I would never have had it if I wasn't a pastor. I mean, I'm yeah. I'm sure the Lord would have found some way to sanctify me. Yeah, because that's what he does. But that was the way that he chose with me, and it's been incredibly rewarding that particular part. Um, a yeah. couple years later.
0: Yeah, that's awesome, and I I think even being able to to reconnect with you and and uh, get get this discussion and this podcast recorded, man, I've I've learned so much myself. It's obvious God's doing a great work in you, and and doing a great work within your church, and we're kind of here in in the final moment here. I'm gonna ask you. One last question before we go, and uh, this is actually an inside joke between me and Matt. Matt, was uh, he dreaming at the end of Inception, or was he awake?
1: <laughs> oh, that was, a long, that was a long time ago. Um, oh, he's definitely dreaming
0: i Definitely. think he i think he's awake i'm an optimist oh, man. Uh, that that's oh, that's see that's the difference between matt and i uh matt the pessimist cody the optimist i i wanted to believe he was with his family at the end matt yeah well, calling it like he sees it <laughs> that,
1: I didn't, i've never had a problem with that um well i just want to thank you guys so much for having me on and letting me ramble and um i know it's late at night so hopefully hopefully you got something usable out of it yeah but uh
0: yeah. Yeah. I absolutely, Matt. This has been this has been wonderful. I thank you for your time because, like you yeah. said, it's a little late at night, and and you given us your time and being able to sit here and talk. Hopefully, this is something that can go out to to people who who are in your church, people who are in your area, and and be able to connect with you. And, and Matt, if people wanted to find out more about about your church, your ministry, do you guys have a website or something they could go to? We could point them to. Yeah. Well, um our website is southernheights.co.
1: um it's not .com um that domain name cost $30,000 so it's .co <laughs> 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 yeah um southernheights.co, uh they can look me up on facebook um i have a twitter account but i never use it and i have an instagram account but i never use it but yeah. facebook i'm on pretty regularly
0: yeah
1: um yeah. Yeah, they can shoot me. She can shoot me an email. My email is on our church's website, and um, would love to, you know, if they're traveling through the Indy area, would love to connect with them. And um,
0: yeah, absolutely. Well, Matt, thank you so much. And guys, be sure to check out SouthernHeights.co if you're in the Anderson, Indiana area. It's a great, uh, great way to find out more about his church as well as we talked about uh, Matt's preaching a little bit. If you're interested in hearing the the man preach, I've listened a few, a few times over there. He does a good job. And so just go ahead and take some time. Check out southernheights.co. And I do want to close out here and say thank you, everybody, for listening to this 23rd episode of Raking Coals. If you want to find out uh, more about what we do, you can head over to our website, e43collective.com, where you can see more episodes of Raking Coals and our other podcast, The After Sunday Discussion, as well as some of our blog posts. Uh, Thank you so much for listening. As we always say, have a fantastic week, everybody and a blessed day. Bye-bye.